What? Good afternoon, Lee. Good afternoon. Happy Sabbath day, everyone. Glad you're joining us here on our discipleship class from the Tabernacle of Praise in St. Louis, Missouri. And we're studying this week from the book Heaven by Ellen G. White, chapter 16, where it's talking about heaven is a school. Before we get started, we'll have an opening prayer by Sister Lakita. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, again, we've come through a, a wonderful weekend. We are um, able to sit down and spend time with you. Lord, as we study your word, we ask for the Spirit, we ask for the Holy Spirit to interpret and give us understanding, show us how to apply it to our lives and open our hearts and our wills and do with us what he will with the words that we learn. We ask above all things, Lord, that we, these words will help us to be ready for you as you come to um, take us back to your kingdom with you, Lord. And we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy, for the opportunity to study and pray and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, chapter 16, and the title of this uh, 16 is, Heaven is a what? School. A school. Heaven is a school. How is heaven going to be a school? How do you think heaven is going to be a school? And what are we going to study? Well, in the first paragraph, it talks about we'll be studying the universe and we'll be studying with Christ. Mm-hmm. Universe. Anything else? Anybody? It also says, uh, says heaven is a school, it's field of study, it's the universe. And who do you think the teacher is going to be? Jesus. Yeah, the infinite one, Jesus Christ, it says this the branch of the school was established in Eden and the plan of redemption accomplished. Education will again be taken up in the Eden school. So it's very okay. interesting that the school began in Eden and then after, after redemption is going to be taken up again in heaven. So it's very uh, pretty cool. It says only through God's word, only through God's word can a knowledge of these things be gained. And even this affords but a partial revelation. 
So it's talking about through studying God's holy Bible, as well as through his testimonies and what his prophets have written and said, that lets us know a lot of things that are going to happen in heaven, but that's still partial because we can't even put in words what's really in heaven. We, uh, the prophets have done the best they could. God put into his word um, and the writers of God's holy Bible did the best they could to describe it. But until we get there, it's going to be so amazing. It's like the first time you ever went to Disney World, I guess would be a good example. You've heard your friends and relatives talk about it, but when you went, that made a whole different story, right? So that's how it's going to be with heaven. And John, the prophet of Patmos says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth were passed away. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a what? Bride. Bride, adorned for her husband. Why do you think uh, the Lord used that type of imagery? Because it's going to be so glorious and spectacular and beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. You know, and many times um, during a wedding ceremony when the, you know, everybody's there, the people are there, the, the uh the, the um, groom is standing waiting for his bride to come down the aisle and then they open the doors and the bride is there in all her splendor and beautiful and lovely. And, you know, a lot of times uh, the groom actually starts crying because brides are so beautiful, you know, and that's his bride. And, and that's how it's going to be when the new Jerusalem Christ bride comes down prepared, beautiful, lovely, spectacular for her husband. So, it's going to be pretty amazing, right? Mm -hmm. any, any other thoughts on brides being beautiful? <laughs> That's when women are at their best. Is there anything set, any such thing as an ugly bride? I don't think no, so. No, I've never seen one. Yeah, I think all brides are beautiful. Hey. Mm hmm. I need to, is this a new connection, Lily? I don't think so. No, uh, it's the same one. Uh, is this the same link we've always had, Karen? I'm sorry, what'd you is say? It, is this the same link we've always had? Well, remember, we started a new link uh, about maybe about a month or two ago. Okay. Here, I'll give you the number. You ready? Yes. Hold on, everyone, for a second. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to have to. What's her name? What's her name? Okay. Hold on just a second. Okay, uh, she was just getting the link to share with somebody. So we're at the paragraph starts between the school established in Eden and the beginning of the school that hereafter lies the whole compass of the world's history. So it's just pointing out that the Edenic school and then the school 
in heaven are just sandwiching all of earth's history. It says no truth, there says there will be something there that's not, there will be things in Eden that will not be found in heaven. Does anybody know what might not be in heaven that was in Eden? Well, we know it says there'll be no no tree of knowledge and good and evil because it says yeah. it will be affordable opportunity for no temptation. Mm-hmm. No tempter is there. Anything else not going to be there? No one's going to be susceptible to sin because we've all been through it and have learned from it. Right. Says the giving of the tree of life in Eden was conditional and it was finally withdrawn, but the gifts of the future life are absolute and eternal. So it will be eternal in heaven and not temporary. Um, next par couple paragraphs down it says, restored to his presence, meaning God's presence. Man will again, as at the beginning, be taught of God. What are the, What is it talking about there? Because in the beginning, Adam and Eve were had direct communion and communication with God. And God taught them things because they were only, what, few few hours old when they were created. And so there was a lot of things they needed to know, just like a newborn baby. Hmm. And who was their teacher? God. God. And who's going to be our teacher in heaven? God, God, Jesus, both, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So it's right back to where it was at the beginning, where we'll again be restored to the, to the presence of God. Remember in Eden, God walked with them. And then after sin, God no longer walked directly with them like he did in Eden. But when we get to heaven, he'll be right there with us and we'll see him exactly as he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, on paragraph 148.4, can anyone explain this scripture, Revelation 7, 14 through 17? I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, rather. Mm -hmm. says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now we know in part but then shall we know even as also we are known. Can anyone explain that scripture to us? The only thing that I could think about, Lee, is that right now um, with everything, we don't see clearly because we, we don't, we're not privy to the spiritual realm. Um, we're not privy to seeing God's face or Jesus's face, face to face. So we can only behold him through his word, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, communion with the Holy Spirit. But then, but and that says, and still it's darkly that we see him. We cannot, we cannot appreciate his awesome glory right now um, because we are looking through these other things, like looking through, a, a, we were at the art show uh, in Clayton last weekend and uh, they had some, um, what are those things called? Where you look through them and you can move them and see the different colors. Um, the lidoscope. Yes, that's what it is. And so you weren't really seeing the actual gems in there. You were looking through something to see them. And so they, uh, they were beautiful, but to actually look at the actual thing itself is different than looking mm -hmm. through something to see it. 
And so I think that, that, that when we are able to see him face to face and commune with him and stand in his presence, that it will be like nothing we've ever experienced before. Amen. I think about um, a couple of things. I think about if you look through a, a sheer curtain, you can see out, but then if you move the curtain out the way, everything is so much clearer. I see, I think like that. Then I think about situations that we're in now, you know, we only see a part of why things happen. You know, every now and then we're blessed to look and see and, and look back and say, oh, you can fit the whole thing together. But when we when we'll be with Jesus, we'll look at situations and we'll see the oh, so that the aha moment. Ah, oh, I see why it happened that word. Oh, I know, oh, that makes sense. You know, um, we'll see the whole thing. Like God can see from the beginning to the end. And with you know, one incident in our lives, you know, affects so many other people in such positive ways. And we don't always know how we're affecting people, but then it will be revealed to us and we can see all things, you know, from the beginning to end and how, you know, it all worked together. As the Bible say, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. And I, I, I think in terms, I wear glasses and I know if I take off my glasses, I can see how you say little people, you know, in a vision, I mean, in glaze. But once I put my glasses on, I'm like, whoo. I could really see, you know, and I'm like, it, it makes it, it makes a difference for when I take my glasses off as opposed to when I have them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. It's also, you know, there's many ways to think about it, but like if you were to squint and look at something, you can barely make an outline of it. And then when you open your eyes, you can see it. Or like the guy in the Bible, Jesus, the blind man, and he touched his eyes and he said, what do you see? And he said, looks like men that look like trees. And then he touched them again and he could see clearly. So it's a lot of different ways to look at it. Or remember when, uh, not remember when, but back in the day when they first invented uh, glass, it wasn't very clear. It was wavy and kind of dirty and grimy. You couldn't really see a good picture through it. But now the glass we have is crystal clear and you can see perfectly through it. So a lot of different ways to look at it, but again, there is a veil right now covering us from seeing everything that's actually out there. You know, sometime God will remove the veil and reveal angels to people, you know, on occasions. Um, but most of the time that veil is up. But when we get to heaven, the veil will be removed and we'll see everything just as it is. Mm-hmm. And we'll see Jesus just as he is. Yeah. So that's yeah, going to be. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Okay, I, I think about um, how um, right now are there are certain things our mortal eyes simply cannot behold, you know. But once we become immortal, those things—the brilliance and the brightness of everything—will not harm us, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, a little bit farther down in. Paragraph uh, 148.6, it says, the student of science, you know, a lot of people study science, may record the record of creation and discern no reminders of the law of evil. So that would be pretty interesting. We'll learn about creation without being reminded of sin. 
may listen to the music of nature's voice and detect no note of wailing or sorrow. In all created things, you can trace the handwriting of God. And uh, there is no sign of evil or ill remaining. So that will be very interesting. We'll see it just as he created things. He says, there'll be nothing to hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Nothing to hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. They're open to the student, his, uh, student history of infinite scope and wealth inexpressible. And here from the vantage ground of God's word, we'll get a view of the vast field of history, gain knowledge of the principles that govern the course of human events. Not until we stand in the light of eternity will we see all things clearly, which is what we've just been saying. You know, even when you think about it, and Lakita kind of mentioned this part, things that happen to us personally, you think you know what happened, but we don't have a clear view of everything that went on because we live in a, we live in two kind of two different worlds here. We have the terrestrial world on earth and the extraterrestrial world with the angels interposing uh, in between us. And it says, uh, paragraph 149.4, it starts out, then will be open before him the course of the great conflict that had its birth before time began. Which conflict is that? Conflict between good and evil between God and Satan. Yeah, it began before time began and it ends when time shall cease. And then it says, the veil that interposed between the visible and invisible world will be drawn aside and wonderful things will be revealed. You know, I've read in um, Great Controversy where Sister White talks about the Civil War and then in some of the other testimonies and she was pointing out how uh, the people, you know, back in the day, they used to get picnic baskets and go to the battlefield and watch the fight going on, you know, but what they, they could see the fight, but what they couldn't see were the heavenly angels fighting against the evil angels out there on the battlefield as well. So many things we think we see, we don't see everything. Some things like Karen was saying are hidden from our view. You know, so it's, it's pretty amazing. Very amazing. And let's see. Celest it says celestial beings have taken an active part in the affairs of men active part in the affairs of men. They have appeared in garments shining as lightning. They've come as men, like travelers. They've accepted hospitality in human homes, have acted as guides to travelers. Isn't that amazing? Have anyone here ever uh, seen an angel, actually seen an angel and recognized them? Yeah, <laughs> not that kind of angel. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty amazing that. Uh, well, but this this mm -hmm. sounds almost like they have been among us, but we haven't known. Right. You know, and so to say, have you seen them? Well, the whole point was them us not to know them as angels. Mm -hmm. But they were there. They were, you know, involved in things. They were. Uh, it came, you know, you never know, like, like a person that may have come to church and didn't have no place to stay or come from out of town or another country and didn't have any place to stay and take them into your home after church or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You just don't know. Yeah. You don't know who, who is and who isn't. 
Mm-hmm. And I like to think that my guardian angel is always right by my side, but because, like she said, until Christ comes, I can't see it through my human eyes. But I think once we're changed, I will see this is my angel that's been right by me all this time. Yeah. Now, I know I have had experiences where a, a person, I was talking to a person, then turned around and they're gone. Now, I've had that a couple of times. It's pretty scary when you think about it. I've had that too. Yeah, so maybe we've seen angels just didn't recognize them. But, I mean, must have been an angel. No, nobody else can just disappear like that. It says, uh, here you go, Karen. It says, in the council hall and the court of justice, heavenly messengers have pleaded the cause of the persecuted and oppressed. So you might have been in court with some angels. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Elder, I think sometimes, too, we think angels have to be beautiful and all this. It could be a homeless person that God has sent to you to say a kind word to, and that could have been one of God's angels seeing if you were going to witness to him as God has told you without, you know, you being looking at the appearance. Yeah, that's very true. And even people we have invited home or unfortunately didn't invite home, it could be anybody, you know, the heavenly messenger is just like uh, the Bible says Satan can turn into an angel of light. Heavenly angels can take on different forms too. It's, it's, you just never know. Again, that's why we're told to be careful how we treat people because it might be an angel. Amen. 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 So that's whether, funny. What you say? Mm-hmm. That's funny because um, I was looking on Facebook the other day and um, uh, there was a lady on there that we had befriended on Facebook. And a few years back, she had come visiting from England and I just happened to notice that her last name had changed. I said, oh, she got married. Well, I was mentioning it to Andre. At first, he didn't remember her. And I said, yeah, remember, we took her home from church and she stayed. Uh, I think either she stayed She stayed for dinner. Either she stayed for dinner and she left. I can't remember if she stayed overnight. But, you know, she didn't have anywhere to eat. And so I just said, you know, and we haven't seen her again since then. Just, you know, kind of Facebook contact or whatever. But, I mean, you just never know, you know, who, like you were saying, who is an angel, who's not an angel, they came as a wayfarer, whatever, you know. Yeah, so we really do have to be careful how we treat people. Mm -hmm. Might be an angel and you just don't know it. And remember that show, Touched by an Angel? (laughs) Yeah. Now I think they're trying to bring that back. People really like that show. And you see a lot of people write books about angels and angels did this or that because people are really interested in it. And like Patsy was saying, it'd be pretty nice to meet your guardian angel. Interesting. We're on paragraph 150.3. The sentence starts out, every redeemed one will understand. Mm -hmm. So it says, every redeemed one will understand the ministry of angels in his own life. The angel who was his guardian from his earliest moment, the angel who watched his steps, covered his head in the day of peril, who was with him in the valley of the shadow of death, who marked his resting place, who was the first to greet him in the resurrection morning. What will it be to hold a conversation with them and learn the history of the divine interposition 
in the individual's life of heavenly cooperation in every work for humanity. Wow, that'd be pretty amazing. Talk to your guardian angel. What, what, what would you ask your guardian angel? How, he put, how could you have put up with me for so long? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think when you think about that verse where it says, um, now we see through a glass darkly, then, you know, when, when your eyes are open, I bet you there'll be a familiarity about that angel because it's been by your side all this time. And although you have not seen him, the presence of him, you can feel it. And when you, when you're, when the scales are removed from our eyes and we're able to interface with this angel, he's going to be so familiar to us and so like, you know, so close to us. We're going to, I just think that's going to be awesome. Like I right think I'm going to be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't know you weren't finished. Go ahead. No, go on, Patsy. I can talk forever, so. I was gonna say, I think I would be hugging and, and, and I would probably be just, you know, thanking him for, you know, for being there because of the fact that I know he would have saved me from stuff that I wouldn't visually be able to see the, the evilness that was, that could have happened to me. So, you know, I think I'd just be hugging and just, I say, I know I'm going to be in tears because I'd be like, you know, you stood by me and now I'm in heaven and, you know, I would just be, like I said, so grateful. Mm. Karen, you had a comment? Yeah, I just have a couple of questions about our guardian angel. So um, when it says that this is the angel is the one who marked <laughs> our place and who was, will be the first to greet us on resurrection morning, I just wonder if, if, if guardian angels are only assigned one person. And so because if they were assigning multiple people, like you died and then they got assigned to someone else, then they wouldn't be the first one to greet everyone on resurrection morning that they have been assigned to. So I just, I was just wondering about that. Uh, but then also I was wondering these conversations that we have with angels, do you think they will be in the languages that we knew on earth or will we then be able to speak the language of heaven? Yeah, I think we're going to have a new language. I don't think we're going to be stuck with English. <laughs> I think we might be multilingual and you know remember how Paul um, the, the apostles were um, preaching and each man heard his own language it'll be yes, a right. variety of languages right. just we can right. all hear in, in whatever language you know right right maybe maybe we'll be able to just speak telepathically just through our thoughts uh -huh. and I think my angel could only handle me one at a time as, as much as I done. I'm a handful. Your angel was So I was thinking, guys, that if only 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 one angel was assigned, or, or let me put it like this, guardian angels are only assigned to one human being, then that means there are billions of angels because there's six billion people just in this hundred years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so, and, you, and you think too, what happens when we pass away, that angel still has another person that God may be bringing in the world saying, this is your new person to be guardian over. Well, see, that's what I was <laughs> saying. That, that if in fact, if in fact, and this says that our guardian angel is going to be the first one to greet us on resurrection morning, 
that that angel is not going to be can't be the first one to greet every. Let's say they got ten people. I, this is just a thought question. Well, I think the Bible says that the, uh, there's going to be thousands, thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand angels. Yes, right. yeah, and ten thousands of thousands. So I right. don't think there's a limited number of angels. And I and remember that everybody on earth is not going to heaven. So we're not everybody. Right. You know, right. what is it, one in 20 might make it? Yeah, right, right. That's and then another way to look at it, too, you know, we're all just thinking thoughts, you know, nobody has right. proof of any of it. Um, we might not even want to limit angels to not being able to multitask. Maybe they can watch 10 people at a time. Who knows? Amen. And maybe in some kind of way, I'm not for sure. Maybe they can be in two places at one time. Maybe they're not limited like we are. If they move so fast, it could seem like they're in the same place. And, and then uh, I think the greeting part might be where they actually physically come down to you. We're all going to see Christ first. And then the angels come down and greet you. Who knows? Very interesting to think about. Uh-huh. I yeah. just, I mean, I just really like that paragraph talking about your guardian angel and how he was mm -hmm. with us from our earliest moment, watched our steps, covered our heads in the day of peril, was with us in the valley of the shadow of death, meaning at the very end of our life, that angel's with us and then marked our mm -hmm. resting place, you know, and the first one to say, welcome to heaven. <laughs> and you know, I yeah. think too, when I think about that, too. Oh, welcome to eternal life, I guess. And when I think about that too, you know, um, him being with us all that time, it's just so, it's just like having a, a, a the closest friend ever, you know, you know, uh, so we can actually, we could address our guardian angels since we believe that they were. I was us. just thinking about that. Well, you know what? We never have a conversation with our, in prayer with our guardian angels, do we? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Acknowledge that, that they are keeping us and stuff, you know. Yeah. It's been, I know uh, one time, you guys, I had this experience where in my mind, I kept seeing myself getting hit by a, a head-on car collision. And um, I was, I would pray every time. And I told my mom about it. And then one day on the street, and I was in, in this thought, I was having a left turn. And uh, in the thought, I um, had that left turn. It seemed like the Holy Spirit said, look in your rearview mirror and the car behind me had that um that crash someone hit them and i just praise the lord not that i wanted it to hit anybody but right you know, i just think the holy spirit he's you know we have to we have these thoughts the holy spirit talking to us or our guardian angels and i just think we need to pray about stuff you know when something comes up in our mind like that yeah um, i think i'm gonna have to and my guardian angel <laughs> I often, I often wonder when we pray to the Holy Spirit, not only does he take our prayers to Christ, but he lets our guardian angels know, too, this is their prayer, this is what they're praying, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It says, um, next paragraph 150.4, I like this, all the perplexity of life's experience will then be made plain. What, have to, what has appeared to us as confusion and disappointment, broken purposes and thwarted plans will be seen in a grand overruling victorious purpose, a divine harmony. So all the problems and issues and trials we have of life and what we think was failure 
then God's going to clear it up and let us know exactly uh, how it was actually a divine harmony, how everything came together for us to be in heaven with him. So, you know, a lot of times we do something and we think it was a failure or we might uh, fall short of what God wants us to do, but he's going to explain to us all those disappointments and broken purposes still led you to salvation through Christ. So uh, that would be very nice, very uplifting, I believe. Yeah, I think about the uh, guardian angels too. Like when you look at the Olympics and you have coached a person, when they come to our um, grave and welcome us into eternal life and uh, salvation, I think it's like a win for them. I mean, it's like they have been, their person has been successful, right? And so they can genuinely, you know, like praise the Lord with you that, you know, you uh, made it. You know, it's like, you know, the, uh, the athletes, coaches, I bet you they're so happy when that person bring home gold or finish the race. If they fall and break their legs or something, they limp onto the end. You know, that's a, it still feels good that their person finished the race, finished the course. Yeah, very interesting. You know, um, have you ever studied with someone and prayed with somebody, you know, different people you witnessed to and spoke to and talked to uh, that we, but you never see those people come to Christ. Has that ever happened to anybody you seen, you know, you worked really hard with people and, and they just don't accept Christ as far as you know, have you ever felt kind of bad about that? Well, I'm in that process right now, but I'm hoping this individual when I finish, I'm hoping she will choose the true and living God and, and know that, you know, the reason why the Seventh-day Sabbath is the Lord thy God. So I'm like I said, I'm not finished, but I'm hoping that's what will happen. And if not, I said, I'm letting the Holy Spirit, you know, work on work that part. God just tells me to keep planting a little seed with her. But she seems to be very open minded and she's willing and she's studying. So I just keep her keep her lifted in prayer. Amen. Anybody else? You ever feel kind of let down at the person you studied with didn't accept Christ? Yes, I have had a couple of uh, full Bible studies from Amazing Facts where mm -hmm. you go through like 13 weeks and you pray with the people and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, like one lady was Catholic, so she just started doing Saturday Mass. <laughs> and, and, but it's up to the Holy Spirit. I can't, it's not about me at all. And all I can do is continue to pray for these folks and it's up to them to accept it or not. Hmm. But you know what I think too, though, Lee, we are not um, the ones that will be gathering the harvest. We're just like a way stop along the way. And so we may be the one that plants the seed. We may be the one that brings a little fertilizer. We may be the one that brings a little water. You know, God has... God has several people in line, perhaps for even just one person to bring them to the truth. You know, mm -hmm. um, I remember one time I was with a client and I don't know how we got on the subject of the Lord and, and all of that. And I just started talking to her and, you know, I never, I've never seen her again because she didn't actually, you know, uh, want the work done that we discussed. But it was an opportunity to just tell her about the Lord, you know what I mean? And, and tell her about what he did for us during the, 
during his life, but, but particularly during the Passion Week and, and what happened over what we call Easter weekend and all of that, you know? And oh, I've, never I've never seen her again, but, you know, I can, I can say maybe I was just the seed planter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing to remember. One waters, another plants, another one takes up the harvest. So, you know, that's what um, I always try and remember, too. A lot of times you see pastors and they, people say, oh, he baptized 50,000 people. It wasn't him. It was the Holy Spirit. You know, just like on Pentecost, it wasn't the disciples' power that did it. It's the Holy Spirit. So we do our part, and that's why it's a partnership between us and God. Evangelism is we do our part. He does his part. Uh, on this paragraph, it points out, paragraph 151.2, how many toil unselfishly and unwearingly for those who pass beyond their reach and knowledge. Then it says, parents and teachers lie down in their last sleep, their life work seeming to have been wrought in vain, but they know not that their faithfulness has unsealed springs of blessing that can never cease to flow. Only by faith they see the children they have trained to become a benediction and inspiration to their fellow men, and the influence repeat itself a thousand times. So it's like we've been talking about, you might not see the person actually get baptized. You might not see them give their life to Christ. You might not see any of that, but you don't see what you don't see is the influence that what you've done has on them. And it's like uh, with Lakita, she's doing counseling. And I, I like to look at it as she is changing people's entire uh, family tree structure because the influence she has on person A transfers to their children, their children, children, everybody down the line. But you don't often see that. But by faith, this is telling us through faithfulness, we have to believe that what we have done in, in honoring and glory and doing and doing God's will, he's going to make sure that the that uh, there is a harvest. He says his word will not return to him void. So when we put out his word through word, deed, action, whatever, He's promised that it's going to do what he appoints it to do. We just have to know that we've done our part. We've done our best. And when we get to heaven, then we'll see people who walk up to us and say, hey, thanks to you, I'm here. And you'd be like, who are you? Okay. Or, you know, somebody might say, my cousin's cousin friend told me that you talk to him. You know, you just never know the influence that you can have on somebody. That's right. Well, I've. I think everybody's experienced this. There's always a sister or brother so-and-so who has a spouse who is, who, you know, they're unequally yoked and they worked on that spouse and worked on that spouse. I know plenty of women who even nurse their sick husbands who refuse to, you know, have anything to do with church. She passes away and then he joins the church. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sometimes I think this is really nice. Sometimes on their deathbed, People accept Christ. You know, they have lived in that type of home structure. And then it's them who are dying and they accept Christ on their deathbed. You know, I think that that happens too. Yeah. And the thing to remember, remember this parable about the sower. He didn't just throw seeds on good ground, did he? No, that seed went all over on different types of ground. So when we're witnessing the people, Everybody's not going to be good ground. You're going to throw some seeds on rocky ground. 
Some seeds gonna be by the wayside, some seed the birds are gonna pick up, but there will be some that hits good ground. You know, and maybe the ground is rocky this year, but a few years later, the rocks have been removed and now the seed can take root. So yeah. just do your best as God gives you uh, uh, impetus to do, because you never know the result of just a few kind words of pointing somebody to the Lord. And we don't know. Amen. And we don't know how how deep it, it, it goes into the person. I think about, um, you know, someone whom I pray with and not in church or not thinking about church or, you know, anything like that. And I never, you know, say you need to go to church either. But when the Lord blessed them, I mean, tears of joy, you know, really praising God sincerely. So we have absolutely no idea because we might think, well, if they, if they are real, you know, being led by the spirit, they will be in church, but not necessarily so. They may be genuinely having a deep, heartfelt relationship with God that we're just not aware of. Yeah. And I know it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. If you look on uh, Facebook, sometime I'll look up some people I grew up with, you know, and I'll be thinking, oh, I know so-and-so in jail or this one did or this one hooked on drugs, you know, based on the past experience. But then when you find out this person is now a pastor or a preacher and a missionary, you know, you never know how God's going to bless people. So never give up on anybody. Just do our part to, to say a word in due season. Because when we get to heaven, we're going to look upon people who, by our efforts, have been uplifted and ennobled. And that's just going to be one of the things that we study throughout heaven is how in the world did that few words that I spoke make such a big difference in this person's whole family? It's going to be pretty amazing. Has there uh, been a, a time where you just kind of were, were uh, studying or praying or working with somebody and then you just gave up? Has that ever happened to anyone? No, no, those people stay on my prayer list. That's a good thing to have. That's a very good thing to have. So while you study, yeah, you're not seeing nothing, put them on the prayer list. Patsy? And you know, Sometime when I called the, the young lady, I said, I'll, you know, I get her voicemail, but I remind her I'm still praying for her. And, you know, and I, re, I always, you know, say I'm, I'm glad that you're still into the amazing facts that I sent you or whatever. But like Paula said, I put I constantly keep her in my prayer list, not m m making sure that she understands that I'm not going to give up because the Holy Spirit is working with her and the Holy Spirit is working with me. And she's not in this thing, you know, alone. Like, and, and, and I hate to say this, a lot of the ones that I say are millennials, when you talk with them, they seem to think that you didn't have any mistakes in your life. They, <laughs> and I'm like, there's been lots of mistakes I've made in my life, you know, and this is what God is saying to you and me, that we can bring those mistakes to him in prayer. We can repent and ask for forgiveness. But until the millennials feel like, Nobody's going to put you down. Just take it to the Lord in prayer and draw closer to him. And he is going to forgive you if you are sincere. They see it as the holy rollers are trying to tell me what to do. Mm. I think, I think throughout all of ages, uh, some young people have felt that. And that's simply because at that point, they're just not ready to make the change. 
and stuff. But, you know, God has a way of, he just have a way people, you know, doing, having that type of feeling or feeling like I'm not ready. He has a way of, how can I say, ripening the fruit, making them ready. They'll get ready one way or another. So, Amen. Uh, you know, I just think that's kind of a youthful thing or sometimes really people in general, you know, who um, just don't realize, you know, what, what God can do for them, have that whole attitude of, you know, I'm, I, I know what I'm doing and et cetera, et cetera. So sometimes that's why we have to go through a little something, something before we really learn to appreciate God. Amen. Well, and everybody has a process. They have their own uh, journey, as they say. Yeah. And young people haven't lived long enough to see, to have anything come full circle. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but the Bible says they were saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Nothing is more powerful than your own personal testimony to someone. So I try not to um, just, and you have to be an open book. I mean, I've been washed by the blood. I have nothing to be ashamed of. So if I'm talking to somebody where they're young, old, um, and particularly if it's another female, and I can say, I can relate to where you are because I've been there. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the word. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's real important is that we uh, establish a relationship. You know, I mean, we have to really be interested in other people, care about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not just, you know, if they come to our church and stuff. I know I made that mistake so many times as a younger uh Christian trying to get people into the church rather than really trying to care about the people and letting God do all the rest of it himself. He'll do it. He'll do it. You know, when he, when it's time for him to do it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we think in heaven, we think in terms of streets of gold, you know, uh, the foundation of uh, 12 stones, et cetera, uh, physical things, what type of non-physical things will we enjoy in, enjoy in heaven non-physical not the trees and the birds and animals but intangible things perfect peace yeah big one face to face with just being able to see jesus face oh yes yes Mm -hmm. yeah and we're on paragraph 152.1 pure communion with holy beings Harmonious social life with blessed angels and with the faithful ones of all angels. Sacred fellowship that binds together the whole family in heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. All among the experiences of the hereafter. Yeah. There'll be music there and song, such music and song as saving the visions of God no mortal ear has heard or mind conceived. Won't that be nice? You know, many times when you think about your own family, uh, you know, as kids, if somebody want to show us love, we expect them to buy us something, right? <laughs> that show love as a kid, buy me a Christmas gift or something. But as adults, we hopefully learn that the best things in life are not material goods, but relationships. And that's, there's going to be new heavenly relationships formed between us and those uh, faithful ones of the ages, the angels, the holy beings, God and Father and Son and Holy Ghosts. It's going to be, that's going to be the best part. And the peace that passes all understanding is just going to be total harmony throughout the entire universe. And uh, Lakita was mentioning about the music there. Have you ever been, uh, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, they had such heavenly music at that other church, you know, or, 
or oh, I just love this kind of music because it's heavenly. But you know, the only people that have heard heavenly music was the shepherds in Bethlehem. Yeah, nobody else on earth has heard heavenly music. So how do you know? That's just a different type of music that maybe you don't prefer. But when we get to heaven, there's going to be such music there that no mortal ear has ever heard or mind conceived. It's only something that uh, God has came, has come up with. So that would be amazing for all y'all that are on the choir and like to sing. That would be something pretty amazing, too, I believe. Yeah, mercy. Um, did it mention, I was trying to keep up uh, scrolling mm -hmm. through my phone, uh, that we get to meet our um, guardian angel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about that, too. Did you have a comment on that? No, I was just thinking uh, that's just something that popped into my mind. I, I missed that part. Yeah, we talked about guardian angels and, you know, what we would ask them and the fact that they'll be the first to greet us on resurrection morning. And uh, Karen had a question brought up. How many people can one angel be guardian over? <laughs> but did you read this one? There, every power would be developed. Are we there yet? Yeah, we're there now. Every capability increased. The grandest enterprises will be carried forward. The loftiest aspirations will be reached. The highest ambitions realized. And still, there will rise new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire new truths to comprehend, and fresh objects to call forth the powers of body and mind and soul. Man, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So we're not Amen. going to heaven and just sit down, but we're going to be continually developing and growing up like calves in the stall, right? Which means that it's okay for us to be doing that here. Mm -hmm. We can be trying to have bigger enterprises and bigger aspirations and higher ambitions. Sometimes people yeah. act like, you know, desiring to do super well, to be the absolute best here on earth is against God. You know, it's kind of like you are worshiping, you know, doing well or something. It's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we can do that here. I don't think we're really happy unless we're absolutely trying to become the best and moving forward in some way. I don't believe we're, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of part of depression is that, you know, it becomes so monotonous, so boring, so mundane that we're just doing the same thing all the time. Yeah. But I think too, here on earth, like me, if you know there's some truth that you, that you don't understand, find people that are resourceful. Let me give you an example, like for Ellen White, find some people that are more resourceful at that, that are able to, to teach you and let you, you know, and take you step for step and teach you and give you things to, to, to read and to, 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 you know, ask the Holy Spirit to enhance your own knowledge of these subjects. And I think that's why what we do down here, we're going to find when we go to heaven, we're going to constantly want to learn because that's what we're supposed to be doing down here, learning more and more about Christ so that the Holy Spirit can make us more like Christ. Man. And there's nothing wrong with education for the sake of education. You know, it's good to learn things and to expand your mind and use your brain cells. You know, so as the scripture says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. So prospering, being successful, striving for excellence, those are all things that God wants us to be. 
and to do. Use the brains that he's given us. Don't just, as my teacher used to say, don't use your, use your head for something beside a hat rack. Says all the treasures of the universe will be open to the study of God's children with unutterable delight will enter into the joy and the wisdom of unfallen beings. We'll share the treasures gained through ages spent in contemplation of God's handiwork and the years of eternity as they roll will continue to bring more glorious revelations. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think will be forever the impartation of the gifts of God. So throughout eternity, God's just going to be blessing us with more and more amazing things each and every day. It's going to be uh, unbelievable, just totally unbelievable, something that we want to make sure that we're there for. And through faith in Christ and acceptance of his sacrifice, we can all make heaven our home. Amen. 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 So, uh, Karen, give us what uh, where we're at next week. In um, next week, we're in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 86, and we'll be starting at Paragraph 510 510.1. Okay. And Paula, the part we read about guardian angels is paragraph 150.3. Okay, thank you. Yeah, if you want to go back and see it. A lot going on in heaven, a lot going to be going on in heaven. <laughs> Make our calling and election sure. At this point, we'll close out with a word of prayer. Um, Lee, before you do uh, that, exactly uh, what, what um, paragraph did we stop on? Okay. We stopped, uh, we're going to begin next time, um, paragraph 153.1, and it says, okay. his servants shall serve him. Okay. All right. Okay, let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much for blessing us with your word, your testimonies, which leads us and guides us, dear Lord, to a knowledge of your will for us on this earth and as well as in the earth made new. We ask and pray that you will... Cover us with your righteousness, dear Lord, that we may be uh, there in heaven to reign with you forever and ever. Bless all those who tuned in online. We ask and pray that you'll continue to bless them with the knowledge and the desire to learn more and more of you each and every day. In the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Amen. Thank you, online people. <laughs>